it was just planned. It was planned for me, um, I think, by my higher power, um, because I would have never in a million years thought that I would be in real estate, commercial, Atlanta, anything else. That's just what happened. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we're joined by Evie Brooks, currently stateside, but headed down to Panama soon. Uh, Excited for her to share a little bit about her journey and um, her insights for UTK. So uh, without further ado, Evie, can you uh, share a little bit about your background with the audience? I'd be glad to. And thank you for having me. I am um, so excited about the opportunity to talk with your your clientele out there. Um, I have been in the real estate investing industry for many years. I got it out of college and went into commercial real estate management. I stayed in corporate America for four years and realized I was sitting on the wrong side of the desk. And I decided that I was going to part ways with corporate America and go out on my own. I've never been adverse to risk. Um, I believe it takes money to make money and I'm willing to put in the sweat equity to do whatever it takes. So I left corporate America after four years in corporate America out of college and I've never looked back. Um, Fortunately, I landed in real estate, asset management and property management and commercial real estate and realized that there was a huge world out there um, that if you would just run and grab hold of it, there was an opportunity. And so that's what I did. And I started investing locally in my backyard, single family homes to start with. And since that time, I have expanded into just about everything you can imagine, um, except major development. I've not done major development, high rise development, subdivisions, things like that. Um, But I've done everything from, you know, lease options to land development to, you know, you know, not only domestic throughout the United States, but international. Um, I became a rich dad, poor dad, real estate advisor and educator back in 2003 until 2014. That was a great experience. And that's how I ended up in the international market, working with the expats. And that has been a journey that has been incredible. Um, I've loved every minute of it. It's been a lot of fun. And there's such a niche market out there, people that are looking for diversifying their investments, becoming an expat or having a plan B especially since COVID, the plan B has come into play in a big way. And so there's never a dull day. Every day is different than the day before. And there's just an opportunity to teach, which is where my real passion is. That's awesome. You mentioned you had landed in property management. Was that serendipitous or was there, you know, uh, some sort of strategy that kind of got you to real estate, which has been the foundation for you? No, there was no plan of action there. That was just a fluke. Um, I was planning on going on to law school and I got pregnant with my first child and was extremely sick until, well, through the whole thing, but I couldn't even sit up for this first six months. I was 87 pounds at six months pregnant. And so um, (laughs) I couldn't drink water. I couldn't look at water. Um, I was so sick. And so after that second trimester, I was able to you know, only be sick three or four times a day. So I was able to get a job and I had a friend that said, hey, I can get you a job that will give you insurance benefits. And I had not planned on having a child at that time. And so that was important. And so um, no pre-existing condition issues. They covered the pregnancy and it was all good. So that's how I ended up in that industry to start with. And it was it was just planned. It was planned for me, um, I think by my higher power, um, because I would have never in a million years thought that I would be in real estate, commercial, Atlanta, anything else. That's just what happened. That's so awesome. What an amazing story and, uh, you know, Providence to get you there. 
You had mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad and taking you into the international market. Kind of how did that come to be, right? I, I imagine at that time, super successful in the States. And, you know, how, how did this opportunity come up that said, you know, hey, let me go after this thing? Well, um, I was a real estate um, elite educator with the Rich Dad organization in the United States. And um, I wasn't loving that. And I had an opportunity to fill in for the international um, advanced trainer in Costa Rica. And when I did it, I knew I had been bit that I wanted to be in that market. And so the opportunity was presented for me to be able to teach that market. And so I started teaching in that market. And then I started investing in that market. And then I really got invested in that market. And then 2008 happened. And that was a disaster in Costa Rica because it's a tourism only country. Um, and so I held on from 2008 to 2012 and things just were not going to come back. It was a bad situation in Costa Rica, a really bad situation. And so finally, after rearranging the chairs on the ship while it was going down for four years, I decided I was going to cross the border and go into Panama. And I've never looked back since. Do you still have the Costa Rican assets or have those been divested? No. (laughs) You've got the scars. I have the scars and the bloody knees and elbows to show for it. As we rewind a little bit, right, one of the questions that we ask for the audience, right, is once you hit that point of profitability, didn't have to worry about food on the table, roof over the head, kind of how did you start thinking about, you know, your investments and where you wanted to put them? Well, I've I've experimented with a lot of things and I've always come back to real estate. So I started diversifying in real estate, you know, and, and, you know, of course, when you have success and you have money, you start thinking about, oh, where can I put this that I can, you know, really build on that investment and those funds and that success that you've had. And I tried several things that were disasters, like a a franchise. (laughs) Um, I would never, ever go back there down that road again. Um, So I've done a lot of different things, but every time I circle back to real estate. And so I started diversifying in real estate back in 2010, after the big meltdown in 2008, I started diversifying in different areas and started going uh, not only internationally, but domestically in states that I had never thought about, like Utah and Missouri, California and Texas and Florida, North Carolina, and started getting into some very niche type investment projects, Um, vacation rentals, short term, long term, land development, lease options. Um, And so I started diversifying, getting into agricultural Um, So that is really where I have focused my diversification with the success that I have. Uh, And a lot of people say, well, you can't just keep putting the money back into a business. Well, I don't look at it as putting it back into a business. I look at it as putting it into another project, another piece of real estate, another opportunity, another niche market. And I have found that niche markets really pay off like medical housing, uh, for example, was one that we did down in Houston, Texas that was phenomenal. Um, and then, of course, agricultural and then getting in the short term rentals, for vacation rentals and getting in long term rentals um, and the plan B program that, you know, that so many people are looking at right now um, has been a, a big market for us um, as well. So um, I think all of this culminates because I love to teach. And so I have a consulting business where I actually teach business people how to have the success in their business that I've had throughout the years. You mentioned plan B. Can you explain just briefly high level what that is? Plan B. um, COVID is a great situation for plan B when people were um, sheltering in, um, not being able to move. 
having cabin fever, wanted to be in another location where they were not being dictated to so strongly or controlled. Um, and they want to have the opportunity in most cases to get out of their home country and go to a different country where they can get residency and or citizenship relatively quickly, inexpensively and easily. And that gives them an option to have, um, if not a passport, then at least residency where they can just pack the bags and leave and go to a second location that they can use as a second home, a vacation home, an investment property, whatever they want. But they've got that as a backup in the event that something goes wrong. And I believe Panama is one of those and obviously an expertise for you. But isn't it like six months after you own property or something that you've got a path into citizenship down there? Actually, through COVID, they've changed all the, the guidelines. First, you have to become a resident in Panama, and you can't get citizenship in six months in Panama. It takes five years of being a resident before you can become a citizen. But being a resident, you have the ability to stay in the country all the time if you want to, as much time as you want to. And it's relatively easy. You can get your residency in easily three to six months in Panama. And so if you wanted to pack your bags, go to Panama and start your residency, you never have to leave. If somebody's wanting to do that, most of our clientele do not come there with the intent of never going back to their home country, but they do come with the intent of staying, you know, six months or a year with visits back to their home country. Um, and it's just a, an ideal situation because it's easy in the country. The government really is adamant about um, opening doors to investors that's going to bring something to the table for the country and improve the country as a whole. Do you see in terms of the patterns that you're seeing of people who are, you know, taking advantage of this, are they mostly people from the States or is it mostly people, you know, outside Europe, Asia or elsewhere? Well, I have people from all over the world, Israel, Australia, South Africa, you name it. Um, but because the majority of my marketing and my educational programs and teaching seminars and things are in the United States. The majority of our clientele comes from the United States, but I have people, like I said, from all over the world. Um, I've done a lot of traveling in 2019 before COVID hit. Um, I was in um, uh, South Korea. I was in Vietnam. Um, I was in you know, Holland, London. Um, you know, I was just all over the place. And um, so we do go out internationally like that. We do a lot of events, speaking events, keynote presentations about how to become a expat and get residency in the country of Panama. And so, you know, I've got clientele from all over the world. You had mentioned your portfolio, obviously pretty diverse um, and uh, expert there. For some of the people on the, uh, who are listening, who maybe are just starting out, what do you recommend and what do you see as kind of the normal path, right? If uh, they say, hey, Evie, I want to be like you, where do I start? Uh, you know, what advice would you give them? Well, a lot of people feel like they should start real estate in their backyard. And that was how I was taught originally back when I first got started. Um, but I will tell you that you can build a larger, more dynamic portfolio in Panama or maybe internationally, depending on what countries you're working with. And if you've got the right mentor to help you, then you can in your own backyard. Um, for example, going to Panama, I have put together a program for my clientele that they can become an investor. Um, without having a, a W-2, a tax return, uh, a FICO score, um, all they have to have is a signed contract and a down payment. And then the developer will do developer financing through our program that we've created for our investor program. So I could literally have you in a project by this time tomorrow afternoon. 
Um, and uh, it's as easy as signing the contract and wiring the funds over to the developer for the property that you're getting into. And believe it or not, the sight unseen sales that we did during COVID were off the chain. It was crazy because people were just looking for that plan B. If they needed to get out, they had the ability to jump on a plane and be gone and, and have somewhere to go. So what's the what's the timeline from funds in on these developments to, you know, being able to. So if uh, I'm a listener, I give you money tomorrow, I sign the contract, I'm itching to leave. You know, what what's the soonest that I could probably get down there to start living? Um, well, depending on where you're at and where you're coming from, um, by the time you've done the contract, you could be in a property for an existing property. Now, we do a lot of pre-construction, mid-construction. Um, stuff like that. So like I've, I'm in a couple of buildings right now that the construction will be done in the next eight months to 18 months on, on two different projects. Um, so if you're in one of those, of course, you have to wait until they're done. But um, like we have people that's like, do you have somewhere I can live in the meantime? I just want to come down there. Sure, we do. And the rental rates are very, very, very conservative compared to what you see here in the United States by far. Um, I can put you in a beautiful two bedroom, two bath penthouse on the ocean for $2,500 a month. Um, so, uh, so you've got, you've got something that you're not going to find here. Um, but, um, as far as actually moving into an existing project that's already done, let's say you buy one of our already furnished, ready to go units. You could be there in 72 hours and walk into your space and drop your luggage and be ready. That's crazy fast. Uh, (laughs) Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of property rights and legal structure for Panama, right? I'm, I'm sure that's a concern for a lot of people who are like, I don't know it down there. What is it like? You know, am I actually protected? You know, what happens with, we've got geopolitical stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe now, right? Like how does that affect, uh, you know, uh, ownership there? The same as in the United States, you have a, a deed to the property um, and the contract um, conveys ownership to you. As soon as you sign that contract and pay that, that first down payment, you, ownership is conveyed to you. Now, if the developer is carrying the financing, they hold the deed, but the the difference in Panama is that contract conveys ownership to you. And the only way that you would not be able to um, maintain or hold on to that property is in the event that you defaulted. Um, otherwise, and the government in Panama is really very favored towards the international investors because um, they have just gone above and beyond out of their way to put together a program to entice corporations um, and individual investors to come to Panama and invest and grow the country. When I went down in 2012, it really was a third world country. It's not now, not in the city and around the areas where the expats live. It's first world country. Yeah, I've had uh, in my corporate gigs, I had an opportunity to get down there and it, it is quite impressive, uh, as you said, and just you know, some of those uh, viewpoints where you can see all the ships that are lining up to go in and was uh, impressive. But, you know, I think part of the history, right, uh, with the canal itself is catered to that international component, right? And the, uh, the democracy that's been very strong, right? Like you don't have a history of coups like you would in Thailand or Venezuela, right? Uh, where, you know, something could change as quickly, right? It would really take something massive to kind of upend the system there, it seems like. Correct. That is absolutely right. It is a democracy. They do have an election every five years. And, um, you know, it's it, it's not, not a lot different in the, you know, the conservative and the liberals, except um, it's not quite as liberal 
for the liberals there as it is in the United States. Um, it is, uh, you know, a U.S. dollar-based economy, very strong um, Catholic-based country. Um, the country as a whole is very um, open and friendly to international investors because that's what's really turned this country around in the last 15 years. Um, when you look at the, the GDP from the time 2008 happened until 2020 when COVID happened, uh, the GDP ran an average of a little over six and a half percent, but as high as over 11 percent in some years. So, I mean, it was just nuts what was going on there, but yet they've been able to maintain their pricing compared to, to properties like in, in you know, Florida, Miami, even on the Panhandle, California, Montreal, um, Ontario, New York. I mean, it's, it's like peanuts compared to what you would be looking at in those types of places. I mean, peanuts. The cost per square foot is substantially less comparing apples to apples. Um, and I mean, you can find, you know, just an exquisite, beautiful, elegant, all marble, you know, everything top notch in, in the building, you know, that runs $250 a square foot. I mean, it's just crazy. It would be like, um, you know, a, a top in penthouse in Manhattan that you would be paying $1,000 a square foot for. So it's and, and if you look at like Montreal and Ontario, you're literally you can buy comparable in, in Panama four times, five times less what you're going to pay in those countries. In Miami, a lot of those different areas the same way. I assume that's got to be mostly labor driven, right? And I know in the States right now, there's a huge shortage on the labor uh, in the construction space. Obviously, material pricing is going through the roof. I imagine material pricing probably having an effect in Panama. But the real differentiator, I'm guessing, is on the, the labor side and either That's the quantity correct. and the cost of that. That is correct. That is the difference. Um, and of course, materials and, and stuff before this whole COVID thing were a lot less. But I'll tell you what, man, we've gotten hit without like anything that's imported, like furnishings and stuff like that, tripled, tripled in the last year in cost. So what we were paying twelve and $1,300 for, we're now paying $3,500 for. Um, and I'm talking about furnishings, dining tables and sofas and things like that. It's just incredible. But that's a worldwide phenomenon that nobody can can have any impact on. That is what it is, you know. So the assets that you're talking about down in Panama are the you said you mentioned there's some, you know, mid-construction, new construction, pre-built. Are these uh is the strategy mostly cash flow down there? Uh is it long-term rental, short-term rental kind of uh, what are the options down there and, you know, what's your thought as a, you know, good starting point for someone? That's, that is one of our strategies, of course, is the long-term or short-term rentals, depending on where someone wants to be. Of course, you're going to have um, a better return on investment in one location than you are the other. Um, but uh, another one of the strategies that's one of my favorites is get in, get out, um, pre-construction, mid-construction. So I like to get into a project that may be just breaking ground. It's got like a, you know, anywhere from a 28 to 40 month timeline to be complete. And I'm buying in with my developer program at substantially less than what they're selling for a walk-in retail client off of the, off the street. So I'm walking into a substantial equity position right out of the gate. And knowing that that property is going to continue to increase in price as they are building and selling, and the more 
in demand it becomes and the less availability there is, the higher the price goes. And so I create a, a nice little nest egg from a project that I, that I do on a pre-construction where I only have to put in 10, 20, 30%. And, and I mean, 10% now, 10% in 12 months, 10% in 24 months and um, nothing else. And then prior to the completion, I flip that property and I just take that equity out, turn around and roll it and do it again. And that's, that's what I call packing the pipeline. It's one of the many strategies that we do use. I do have um, some projects that we use for cash flow. Some are long-term and some are short-term. Of course, the short-term cash on cash returns are much higher. So um, those are scenarios that um, we really focus on. And then we have some niche markets like in um, uh, medical tourism. That's a, a market that we're focusing on as well is medical tourism. So um, there's just a lot of different things that you can get involved with. It depends on what your strategies are, what your plan of action is. And that's why I love what I do so much, because I work with everybody on an individual basis. Every single person's goals and and desires as far as what they want to accomplish in their real estate investing is going to be different. And so I like to sit down with everybody and look at what is your portfolio look like if you have one? What are you wanting to accomplish? Are you looking at short term, midterm or long term? Or are you looking at legacy investments? Um, and then build a, a plan of action for them, a business plan, if you will, that is in line with what they're wanting to accomplish. See, there's not a one size fits all. And there is so many different projects, strategies, exit strategies. Um, you know, the money is not made in the buy. It's ma- not made in the sell. It's made in the buy. And people have to understand that. And um, most people don't understand that. They come in with the mentality of, oh, I'm going to buy this property and I'm going to hold it for 10 or 15 or 20 years and I'm going to cash out and make a whole bunch of money. Well, yeah, but that's the long, slow road. Um, And there is a way to be able to see a lot higher returns in a much shorter period of time where your actual cash on cash return on investment is going to be substantially higher than if you just set it and forget it. Now, a lot of people just want to set it and forget it for those legacy investments, and that's fine. But then if you're really wanting to see the action, um, I, I love the day trading mentality because I love the action and the excitement from doing all of that. And so this is kind of on that same level. It's not a day trading, week trading, month trading kind of thing, but I get in and out of projects in as little as two years normally. I have gotten in and out of some in six months to 12 to 18 months, but mostly two years to five years is the timeline that I'm really focused on. How does taxation work on the gains uh, down there and then pulling it back, you know, stateside or? Uh, you know, do you leave it down there? You know, what, how does that influence things? Okay. Because I'm not a CPA or financial planner by law, I cannot go into a whole lot of information on this and it depends on the individual person. So I do recommend that you have a CPA locally that understands international investing. Um, I do have also a CPA in Panama, but I do everything. I'll just tell you what I do. I put everything in a U.S. stateside LLC. I invest internationally and all the funds come back into my U.S. LLC and I pay taxes just like I normally would. I don't care where you are, where you go, you're going to pay your government what they are entitled to unless you have some other alternative sources of things that I don't know or want to know about. (laughs) Um, But I I prefer to just pay what I'm responsible for paying and and just go with it. But um, there are a lot of benefits in, in the Panamanian government has put a lot of programs into place to entice people to come to Panama. For example, in the agricultural industry, you can earn up to $350,000 a year and not have to owe Panama one dime on any of that. Now, in your home country, you're going to. 
But here's the thing, the way that Panama works, if you do pay taxes on anything in Panama, it flows through on your U.S. tax returns and is deducted from what you own in the United States. So you're not going to be double taxed. That's what I can tell you. That's the important part, right? <laughs> um, as we're wrapping up here, Evie, what is there one piece of advice or one last uh, thought you'd like to leave with the audience? Absolutely. If you're wanting to invest internationally, don't try to do it on your own. They see you coming. Here comes the gringo and they see dollar signs. It, and I don't care if you're talking about Panama, Costa Rica, Belize, um, Lisbon, it doesn't matter. Um, you need to make sure that you tie your wagon to someone's star that really knows the market, what they're doing. Get a mentor. Guys, you're going to get an education one way or the other. I promise you. You want to get the education with somebody that knows what they're doing instead of the, the education of hard knocks. Um, because I have had so many clients that have come to me, please, can you help me? Can you help me? It's too late. They've already paid $15,000 in legal fees that should have cost them $3,000. Um, or they've gotten into uh, an investment with a, a, a one-off, you know, shot in the dark kind of a developer who never finishes his building. Um, you know, so you want to be very, very cautious because, I mean, you worked hard for your money. Don't let somebody take it from you. As the audience wants to potentially tie their bandwagon to your bright star in Panama, what's the <laughs> best way for them to connect with you? Well, there's two ways. If you just want to know a little bit about us, my website is mypanamavacationrealty.com. And um, I have a just a little landing page with a video that we're actually updating right now. Um, and that will be done in about two weeks. But um, it's um, um, eviebrookspanama.com. E-V-I-E Brooks, Panama.com. Excellent. Appreciate the time today, Evie. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Likewise. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps towards your financial success.